G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Dr. Camille Magdalene, it is the Understanding the Times Tour and we've been talking about the leadership concerns that are going on today, the likelihood of a new Prime Minister in a meeting that could happen at midday today, a leadership spill and uh, three potential contenders for that Prime Ministership if the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull does decide to step down from his role. These sorts of things sometimes cause us to be concerned, uh, rising anxiety. Uh, when we don't have stability, we wonder whether our jobs are safe, we wonder if our families are safe. Uh, these sorts of things can get a hold of us. Uh, we can be anxious about things. Uh, what are your thoughts for people who might be thinking, this shouldn't be happening here in Australia? Great question, Neil. I'll attempt to answer it as best as I can. First of all, look, I've been in and out of Australia now for a while because that's the nature of my ministry. But I would be surprised if people are surprised that this is even happening. Not only because there's been a trend over the last few years of changing prime ministers, but look, it just it, the handwriting has been on the wall for a long time. And I'm even saying this is somebody's not in the country every day of the week. So that's one thing. But as I said earlier, there is something in the Australian governmental and constitutional system that ensures a relative amount of stability. And therefore, even though there's instability right now for the Liberal Party or coalition leadership, it, the rest of the country is functioning as normal. The Qantas flights are still taking off. The infrastructure is still working. People are still going to work and all that. But yes, of course, when there is change... It's always unsettling, even when it's changed for the better. <laughs> so I do understand that. But I always have taught that if we build our lives not on the transient circumstances of fleshly life, but on the rock, Christ Jesus, then we don't worry about the winds, the waves and the floods that come our way because we're on a rock and we'll keep standing even if other things begin to fall. So for the person of faith... They shouldn't be worried about anything, but they should be praying about everything. For the person is not yet in faith, let's call them the pre-believer, then I want to give you a healthy pastoral challenge to remember there is a God in heaven. He does hold the nations in his hand. He does have plans not only for his kingdom, but even for you as an individual. And it's really time to come under his wings and put all your trust in him. Well, Camille, let's move on a little and we may come back to some of the things that are happening as uh, word breaks or as the conversation leads us that way. Let's talk about the Understanding the Times tour and you might like to let us in on what has led you to bring about this year's theme. Uh, because this year you're uh, you're talking particularly about uh, uh, the significant things that are happening around the world. I wonder whether you just let us in on uh, on your theme. Uh, give us your description of what you're addressing during the Under Understanding the Times tour. Sure. This year, the title of the message is called the Trump Declaration. 
Jerusalem, Jihad, and the coming of Jesus. The declaration I'm referring to is when Mr. Trump declared American recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and he moved the embassy within less than three, six months, I should say, from that declaration. Why is it that the rest of the world, and I don't mean just the Arab world or the Islamic world, I'm talking about the rest of the world, including Europe, the United Nations, why are they against a united Jerusalem under Israel's sovereignty? What does it have to do with jihad? Do any of these things have to do with the coming of Jesus? And like I did last year, and I found it was very popular, I do address in a pastoral and I trust very balanced way, the culture war and how the culture war that is raging around us, even as we speak, Neil, how it affects what's happened in the Middle East and how the Middle East affects the culture war. It's actually utterly fascinating. But what I want to reassure my listeners, those that will come to the meeting, you will get a very strong note of hope. And, of course, you're coming to us from a perspective. Uh, you're just fresh back in Australia from the UK, and you've spent time in the United States. You lead tours to Israel and other nations throughout the Middle East, uh, and you're breaking into Europe in a significant way. So you've got your finger on the pulse, what's happening politically, what's happening socially in those settings. And uh, we see ourselves, obviously, you know, here we are down under. We might be feeling like we're way removed from the things that are going on in other parts of the world, west or east. Uh, but you've got some great insights to be able to offer when it comes to issues to do with the culture war and the way that things are changing in the world. Sure. Well, first of all, I learned that Australia, despite its geographical distance from you know, the mainland masses of the world has been actually relatively well-connected or, shall we say, affected by things that happen elsewhere in the world. And I would say it's been that case even since Federation in 1901. After all, we were in the Boer War on the day we were federated. We got involved in the Great War for king and country. And then, of course, the Second World War II. We have been very much affected by other parts of the world. So as far as what's happening here in Australia, yes, there is that in other parts of the world. I'm thinking of Europe in particular, where I believe there is a great dissatisfaction with mainstream parties for the very reason we've been talking, that it seems there's no distinction between left and right, and there seems to be a powerlessness among those that are in political leadership. So the danger is that when we see more and more ineffectiveness and dissatisfaction of governments, that we might be vulnerable and susceptible to voices, outside voices, who offer easy answers to complicated questions, and it be like an Adolf Hitler thing. Now, I'm not saying that anybody that we currently name is even remotely like Adolf Hitler, but we just got to be careful that when we dispense of one way of governing our lives that we don't quickly embrace something that we will regret down the track.
Camille, some of the elements that you're talking about, and when we talk about the title of this year's Understanding the Times Tour, the Trump Declaration, Jerusalem, Jihad and Jesus, uh, clearly uh, people will be anticipating that there's connections between all of these. And when we talk about uh, issues like Jihad, of course we're talking about uh, the world religion of Islam and this rising of Islam and the Trump declaration, Jerusalem being the capital of Israel and what huge uh, controversy that created and the unrest in the Islamic world. Uh, when we talk about this rise of jihad, uh, is the rise of jihad connected in any way that you can see uh, in end times, biblical prophecy, uh, this connection with this Trump declaration in Jerusalem? Okay, well, let's look at it like a chain link. The first link is the culture war that has been going on for half a century. The second link has to do with Islam or what Mr. Trump likes to call Islamic radicalism, and I think I don't mind using that term because it creates, I think, a proper perspective, but Islamic radicalism and culture war are becoming interlinked, as bizarre as that may sound. And then that leads to the third component and the coming of Jesus. Just bear in mind that jihadists are visionaries for a caliphate which is basically a global Islamic empire. In other words, they have a world vision, just like Great Commission Christians have a world vision. And of interest is that some of them, not all, remember that Islam is no more monolithic than the Christian church is monolithic, but some want Jerusalem to be the capital of the caliphate. And so as the world, which doesn't seem to understand that this conflict going on in the Middle East, at the core of it, is theological. <laughs> and who fights wars these days over theology? Well, welcome to the Middle East, and you will get a taste of that. Because they don't understand that, even half a loaf, meaning half of Jerusalem, might be just enough to create a momentum that would cause jihadism, as we've seen it with the Islamic State, to spill over even more than ever. Now, I'm not saying that will happen, but what I am saying is when you have a theological, biblical understanding of events, it really does put you in a whole different striking distance, and that's what I'm trying to show. Again, the fact is that if you've got one religion wanting a caliphate with Jerusalem as capital, and you have another one, in other words, the biblical one, saying that Jerusalem will be the center of the whole earth when Christ returns, you have really not just a clash of civilization, but you've got a spiritual one as well. Let me ask you about a word that gets bandied around so much, and this is the word hatred. Uh, because sometimes uh, I think perhaps people are using the word perhaps not wisely uh, because there's this discussion about hatred uh, between whether you're on the left or the right side of politics. Uh, 
But there's also this idea of hatred that seems to arise between the world religions too. And as Christians, of course, we want to be known as people who are loving. But oftentimes when we talk jihad, this idea that there is some level of animosity that's coming from uh, the Islamic side towards both Jews and Christians. Uh, What are your thoughts on that word hatred and the way that it gets used these days? Well, like everything else, key words, and hatred is one of them, are used and oftentimes abused. We have the thing called hate speech. And just remember, when someone says hate speech, they may mean something very different to what will spring up in your own mind. Hatred, of course, is a very devilish thing. And hatred isn't just having contempt for another party or another thing. Hatred, if it's allowed to take full root, wants to destroy that other party or that other thing. Now, God, of course, is defined, he is defined in Scripture by his greatest attribute, which is love. First John 4 and verse 8, God is love. Of course, the opponent of God is the devil, and the devil is the epitome of hatred. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. So what we have to see is that if we inadvertently succumb to issues of hatred, then it is tap dancing to the devil's tune. And with the hatred comes other undesirable things, like lying, (laughs) stealing, as well as the destruction that comes with hatred. So that is why it is imperative that we listen to the wise counsel of Scripture, that we are to love our enemies and to pray for those that persecute us and despitefully use us, because by so doing, we prove we belong to God. And to do otherwise is to be on the devil's territory. Let's talk about some of the other things that are a part of your message. And of course, uh, to get the full message, people are going to need to come along and see you speak. And that is going to happen in so many places over these next two months. Uh, you're on a tour right around Australia and doing some incredible uh, uh, kilometres in all of that to actually uh, cover the ground to meet uh, in not only capital cities, but also even some far-flung country towns and uh, outback centres. Uh, let me ask you about uh, this idea of Jerusalem. Because the Trump Declaration, Jerusalem, here we are talking about Jerusalem, centre of the world. Uh, a lot of things that are happening in Jerusalem affect the way that the world uh, hap- is uh, is developing and evolving in Jerusalem very, very we talk about Jesus and the second coming that you mentioned, uh, the idea that Jerusalem is a part of what we might see as a last days scenario. A lot of people are looking at biblical prophecy and they're seeing Jerusalem and, of course, the reformation of the nation of Israel 70-odd years ago, uh, Jerusalem at the centre now. Uh, is it that we ought to be looking at Jerusalem for some cues as to what happens in context of history and, and the, the second coming of Christ? Absolutely, Neil. <laughs> uh, what I'm about to share, not every theologian would agree with. Some would say it is wrong and unhealthy and imbalanced to put emphasis on Jerusalem and any future role. But let's bear in mind a few things. First of all, Jerusalem is mentioned in the Bible 
over 800 times. It is the name of our eternal home, Revelation 21 and 22, the new Jerusalem. But I especially feel we need to take to heart what Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 35. And he says, do not swear by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, which is echoing Psalm 48, verse 2. And that phrase, city of the great king, is incredibly fundamental because what it is saying is God who keeps his promises, he's not an abrogator of covenant, he's a keeper of covenant. He promised David he'll have a son to rule from his throne forever, and that throne is clearly in Jerusalem. Now, because that is the case, no wonder there's controversy over Jerusalem. No wonder there's international angst, and no wonder there is opposition to this united Israeli city, because if it happens that way, well, Messiah will have a great home to come to. And so we may have to put up with a false Christ before we see the real Christ take his place in Jerusalem. And let's stay with Jerusalem. And uh, only just a couple of minutes out from news, uh, this idea that Jerusalem is flourishing Now, if Jerusalem was not flourishing, uh, there could be a whole different scenario to talk about. But as I understand it, uh, when the second coming uh, times are about that, uh, about this sort of context, Jerusalem is flourishing in the biblical prophecy. Uh, How do you see Jerusalem today? Well, to see Jerusalem today, it could be argued, Neil, that it is flourishing because uh, it used to have a population 150 years ago of like three or four or 5,000. Now it's 850,000. And it used to be contained within the walled old city. That was it. There was nothing else. The walled old city now is like 1% of the municipal territory. And of course, there are many great institutions found there in Jerusalem, governmentally, culturally, and of course, biblical holy sites. By the way, if it wasn't for those biblical sites, Jerusalem would be only a shell of what it is today. So it could be argued that it is flourishing, but nothing like what it will do or flourish when Messiah returns and sets up his kingdom. And we believe that there's so many prophecies on this, we've lost count just about on this on this score. So Yes, it does say in Psalm 102, verse 60, that when uh, the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. That's Psalm 102, 16. Well, Dr. Camille Majdali is our special guest, and we're going to continue our conversation after Vision National News. A wonderful opportunity today to get a bit of a preview as to what will be coming to a town or a city near you when the Understanding the Times tour reaches somewhere close to you. And, of course, uh, tonight, Camille is going to be speaking in Orbost, uh, in uh, East Gippsland, uh, in Bansdale on the weekend on Sunday, in Pakenham on uh, Sunday night and then on Monday night uh, another opportunity and for people who are in Melbourne listening to us uh, you might like to uh, be a part of the Bayswater uh, event Uh, in Melbourne because I'm joining a part of the Understanding the Times tour with Dr Camille Majdali and uh, over the next four days visiting churches throughout 
uh, the southern part, uh, eastern Victoria, and uh, in Orbost tonight, then Bensdale, Pakenham on Sunday, and also in Bayswater on Monday night. But a wonderful opportunity to be a part of the tour. The tour features Bible teacher Dr. Camille Magdaly uh, with his update on the culture wars and issues around Jerusalem and Bible prophecy. In fact, you'll hear deep perspectives on a number of significant issues that continue to grip the international headlines. Well, this year's tour has a theme. It's the Trump Declaration, Jerusalem, Jihad and Jesus. And I'm broadcasting today from our Melbourne studio and participating in part of that Victorian leg of the Understanding the Times tour with Dr. Camille Magdaly. Uh, Camille, we'll take some calls too, by the way, and I want to keep our talkback line open. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to contribute to our conversation today. And uh, you can talk about uh, all sorts of things, or you might have a question to ask of Camille about the sorts of things he'll be talking about so far as culture wars, Jerusalem, Jihad, Second Coming, those sorts of things. But Camille, let me bring you back to the crisis that is happening here in Australia today. And at midday today, Eastern, Eastern Time, uh, the possibility of a leadership spill and a new Prime Minister. It looks as though we are going to have a new Prime Minister. Will it be Peter Dutton, Julie Bishop or Scott Morrison, the three that have their hands up? I wonder whether you've got some thoughts, Camille, on the sort of leadership that's necessary in Australia in the current situation we find ourselves in. What are your thoughts? Well, thank you for that question, Neil. I believe we need to come back to basics when it comes to the issue of leadership. We have good people out there in Canberra. And I believe many of them, maybe not all, but many of them have a sincere motivation to serve the community and the nation. But there are restrictions, there's hindrances, there's hurdles. I'm just going to give you an ideal wish list here. Mm-hmm. But, for example, the effective leaders I've seen over the years are people of principle. They actually stand for something. And not only that, everybody knows they stand for something. You had it with Reagan, you had it with Thatcher, and yes, let's be honest, we have it with Donald Trump. Donald, What Donald Trump has been saying today is what he's been saying for years. This consistency, regardless of all the other fads going on in society, I think is very, very inspiring. Obviously, along with the principles, there has to be vision. You want to take the country from where it's at, where do you want to take it to? And if the vision is a compelling vision, then you will get people on board, and that, of course, is an essential leadership thing. But ultimately, a great leader has to be courageous. And I hardly hear about that, but it's true. You can't get, you cannot get anywhere without courage. And that's why Joshua, who was a great leader, was told, I think, three times in Joshua chapter one, be strong and courageous. Courage is a decision. We're not organically courageous. We become courageous because we decide to listen to the voice of God. Of course, leaders need an incredibly thick skin these days because the media, like a dog with a bone, runs with any rumor 
And given we have a social media environment and we've been talking uh, in the last hour about this idea of hatred and the way that uh, one side pitches itself against another and whether you're talking about, you know, social, uh, socialist side or a, a conservative side of, uh, of the way people would put themselves in a culture war, uh, you have this at- attack mentality. So whoever assumes the leadership today, uh, even as we saw with Peter Dutton, uh, his financial dealings coming under very close scrutiny and then doubt over whether he would be, in fact, even eligible to sit uh, in the parliament, uh, let alone being the prime minister. So this attack mentality, whoever takes the leadership today, is going to come under the very, very close scrutiny of the media. Well, remember that the media is meant to serve a very important function in a democracy as a supposedly independent arbiter conveying facts so that the voters know what they're dealing with. Because until you have facts, you cannot make a wise decision. Now, of course, we understand that ideology has replaced objective reporting, at least for many. I don't want to say all. And there is a yeah, there is a progressivist agenda rather than a dedication to classic journalistic principles. So, yeah, it wasn't always like this, but it's been increasingly this way. And, of course, people like Donald Trump have, uh, he is, I, I understand he controls the media more than they control him. And, of course, part of that is his presidency by tweet. But the fact is, yes, whoever takes the leadership is going to have to have a tough hide. They will face a lot of scrutiny. But you would think an experienced politician like, you know, Julie Bishop would be very used to it or the others, Scott Morrison or Peter Dutton. So whatever we do, the Bible commands us as believers to pray for those in leadership. That's First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. We better pray no matter who gets in, no matter whether we like them or not. We are duty-bound by Scripture to pray and honor such people. It appears to me, as I look at what's been happening in Canberra uh, with the government, and particularly the Liberal Party here, and of course there's these divisions, the Conservatives and the Moderates within the Liberal Party, and you mention an important terminology, a progressivist agenda. Of course, those who are on the Conservative side of the Liberal Party appear to be critics of those who are Moderates because they look a little bit too progressive. Uh, whether it be economic or social agendas here. And so, therefore, when you've got three who've got their hand up, you've got Peter Dutton, Julie Bishop and Scott Morrison, I wonder whether uh, which one of those might be the preferred one, given that there are 43 signatures apparently on this particular petition uh, for removing Malcolm Turnbull, uh, which one might actually fit uh, with the ideal of what might replace that progressivist agenda with something a little more conservative-looking. What are your thoughts on those sorts of ideas? Well, Bill Muhlenberg already spoke, and he addressed that and uh, in a way that I appreciated. It appears that Peter Dutton would be the person to move the Liberal Party back to its conservative roots. If you don't move the conservative party or the Liberal Party to the conservative roots, then basically what choice do we have among mainstream parties? At least we're offered a contrast. And so that's I, I think Bill is probably right in his assessment. But 
when we talk, it's funny, you have the conservative and the moderate side, as you put of the Liberal Party, but moderate may not really mean moderate as it is. Moderate sounds like a medley, taking the best of both worlds. But sometimes moderate can mean taking the worst of both worlds and therefore not being very effective at all. So I just think it's important that we have a true choice. And if the Liberal Party will go from the centrist shift that was happening under Malcolm Turnbull to a more conservative one, then we do have a choice between the coalition and the ALP. I wonder whether the timing here has something to do with the fact that the government has been preparing now for a number of months to release their ideas about what they'll do with religious freedom in Australia and whether the movement, the timing of this movement may have come because those MPs are familiar with the fact that there is a major debate that is brewing now uh, when the government releases its, uh, its ideas, its position on issues to do with religious freedom. And of course, when we talk religious freedom, as we know, we're talking about lots of things, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, freedom of association. It even extends further beyond that to this idea of freedom of academic capacity to be able to study and research and come up with uh, the facts of particular research projects, or even the idea of political communication. Now, these things are all to do with freedom, and I wonder that these MPs, who may be leading this rebellion now against Malcolm Turnbull, uh, have in mind that unless there is a conservative approach to these issues of freedom that we are heading in a very uh, dreadful direction. Now, you've been out of the country, so I'm not sure whether you've been following this very closely, Camille, but, but this idea of, of freedom and a conservative nature of politics, what are your thoughts in that area? Well, I have very strong feelings on this issue. Religious freedom is one of the hallmarks of Western civilization. It is what distinguished us from empires and from non-democratic kind of regimes throughout history. When we have fundamental freedoms, which are part and parcel of our universal human rights, then we have maximum capacity to flourish. But when our freedoms are endangered because of, let's put it as it is, a progressivist agenda, then it doesn't just threaten conservatives, it threatens everybody. So we tend to forget that we are interdependent in society. What happens to one family affects another family. What happens to one community affects another community. We are interconnected and interdependent. So if one party loses their freedom, eventually the dominoes will start to fall and everybody loses their freedom. So we need to fight tooth and nail for retaining religious and other democratic freedoms. Uh, Camille, let's uh, come back to the tour for a few moments. Uh, Talking about things like culture wars, about the Trump Declaration, about Jerusalem, about uh, all sorts of uh, issues to do with our faith, Uh, and then, of course, bringing in there elements of biblical prophecy, understanding that these are uh, significant times, that these could be the end times, last days. Uh, The idea of bringing the sort of message that you do is to help to equip and prepare Christian believers. This equipping and preparing has a whole lot of dimensions to it. Well, sure. I am offering a very topical subject 
in other words, Jerusalem, the Middle East, what's happening in our world, and it does impact us here in Australia, no question. So why should people be interested in these things? First of all, First Chronicles 12.32, when you understand the times, Neil, then you will know what you need to do. Remember, we face complicated, unprecedented, compelling situations. Even leaders don't know what to do, but God promises he will show you the way forward if you'll take the time to understand the times. But there's something else. I always believe in giving people a message of hope, not doom and gloom and let's dig a hole somewhere and bury ourselves or go to the the wilderness and, and, and wait out the end times. No, no. We want to show people there is a way forward where others are nervous and anxious about the future We are in an ever-increasing light. In fact, I like what Don Finto put it, that the situation in the world has never been bleaker, but the situation for God's people has never been brighter. I want to say amen to that, and people can find out why at the Understanding the Times meeting. Okay, let's talk about the attitudes of Christians to the fact that sometimes we talk about this idea, darkness getting darker, light getting brighter. You've indicated it's not for us to be fearful, not for us to move off and hide ourselves in the corner while all sorts of things are going wild, going bad, going from from bad to worse. We're actually to be courageous in all of this. There's something that is uh, is important for us to understand from deep within that we can't afford to be hiding from the engagement to things that are going on today. And I I imagine that uh, in this idea of understanding the times, this preparation, we're a little bit like those those ten virgins, five of them wise, five of them not so wise, the five who've got their lamps ready uh, because these are significant times. This is where we need to be, not the ones who are sitting back and not worrying about uh, the time times as they are yes remember in that uh, parable jesus said they all slumbered and they slept but the wise ones were prepared that's what we want to do neil we want to help people prepare for the future i'm not talking just necessarily in a practical sense although that can come along too how you handle your finance how you handle your time how you handle your relationships we do need to know these things for future readiness But ultimately, we need to talk about our spiritual lives. There is nothing more important than that. Nothing more important than being right with God, walking according to his plan, living according to his precepts, and letting the light of Christ shine wherever we go. If we can master that area, everything else will fall into place. So we use the topic of Jerusalem and the Middle East and current events, and we will learn to go beyond the headlines so we can read the newspaper in a different way. But come to understand the times, you also start to read your Bible in a new and fresh way as well. Okay, the Understanding the Times tour, it's underway. You started last weekend. It goes over the course of two months. Uh, Wonderful privilege for me to be part of this uh, uh, Melbourne and uh, Eastern Victorian leg. Uh, Give us a little outline as to where the tour goes, Camille, because listeners uh, on the other side of the nation are going to be wondering when you're coming to their state. Uh, What's the plan? The plan is I'm in Victoria till the end of the month. Then we go to Adelaide. For, uh, in South Australia for a few days, the weekend, in fact, the weekend of Father's Day, and then to Western Australia, 
starting on Father's Day and spending nearly two weeks in WA, particularly the southwestern corner of that great state. Then I go on to Tasmania with my wife Leanne for a week and then briefly return to Victoria at the end of September for one week and then on to Sydney at the end of September and then the whole month of October, Neil, I'll be in your state, Queensland. Okay, there is an exciting time ahead, and if you caught your state uh, in what Camille said there, that's well and good, but you can very easily go on to vision.org.au and you'll find a very easy to uh, click on banner there for the Understanding the Times tour, and all of the tour dates for your state will come up in there. And so you can make a plan to be a part of the Understanding the Times tour to hear this very valuable message that Camille will be bringing. Now, let me just say, Camille, uh, when people come along to one of these meetings, it's free. It's a little bit like going along to a church meeting. There will be a offering that's taken on that uh, day. But uh, the way that uh, this all works, I mean, people, they can go along and they can be a part of these meetings, hear what's being said, and uh, they will be asked to give, but it really is, uh, it's up to them and between them and God. But they're able to come and be part of this. It's not like you have to buy a ticket in advance to register. Yes, it is a free event, and we're glad that it's a free event, and people can come and learn and not have to pay a penny. That's fine. We know God takes care. I mean, there's expenses involved, and plus we are also engaged in mission, particularly in Europe at this time. So the residue goes for that, but, you know, we want people to just come, come as they are, learn, enjoy, interact. We have a great time. This is the fourth annual tour, Neil, so it's it's been that good from our point of view we we enjoy doing it again and we don't mind the travel i was born to travel so that's very much all right and we get to see much of the great nation so yes it is a free event but also in addition to the offering there are a plethora of resources for those that want more information dvds audio mp3 verse by verse commentaries of scripture and of course i have several books i've written and i have two new books one on genesis and one on Today, Tomorrow, which has Culture War and the Future in it as well. So that'll all be available. Well, Dr. Camille Majdali, uh, just a privilege uh, to be a part of this leg of the tour. And uh, I'm looking forward to, we'll, uh, we'll introduce you through uh, over these uh, coming days early next week too, and just keep up to date with some things. But I want to thank you so much for making yourself available today. I'm sure there are listeners who are looking forward to seeing you speak in their town, their city, and uh, as I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you deliver this message tonight in Orbost. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.